How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to On Air with Aaron. If you're new here, my name is Aaron, hence the pun in the name, or DJ Argon, whichever one you want to refer to me as. And I upload this show talking about things related to the video game industry primarily. I will also dive into interesting topics of conversation within anime, TV shows, movies, and other forms of entertainment that I am interested in. But those are kind of the main ones that I've talked about on this show. Uh, this is the first episode of season three of On Air with Aaron. The first season was the shortest, with it being the season where COVID all started. So that was um, that was fun. And then the second season was a bit longer, and I had a lot more episodes on there, some new interesting points, uh, a new segment called Rant or Rave, where I rant or rave about a specific piece of news, game, TV show, anime, thing that I've been watching or whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I do sort of those things. I also upload onto YouTube at Argon Games, uh, and I... Did stream live on Twitch at It's Argon Games. I took a little bit of a break from there because viewership was getting kind of weird and I was running out of some ideas. But I am streaming now on YouTube and I might go back to Twitch, but YouTube's starting to kind of seem like it's working better for me. Um, close to hitting 200 subs on YouTube, which is awesome. And uh, I pretty much just like all things related to video games. Shows, entertainment, things like that. I'm currently watching a few shows. Uh, WandaVision. I'm watching Attack on Titan. Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, Promise Neverland. Though that one I'm a little bit skeptical about because it's apparently going anime only. Kind of like what they did with Full Metal Alchemist, the first one. Uh, I might talk about that in a future episode. Um, I'm also watching Doctor Stone. Uh, I was watching Mandalorian, but of course that ended. And uh, a, co a couple other ones that all you know, spare for maybe a future episode. But, uh, before we get on with the show, I just want to wrap up a couple personal things. Um, I took a little bit of a break from content creation, uh, in the past couple weeks, just because some personal issues that I was facing, but I should be getting back onto the grind. Now I'm in my last semester at college, which I'm really, really excited about, uh, taking three classes this semester, which is better than the five or six that I had been usually taking. Uh, and I also upload on TikTok, which is a lot of fun. I have to say, I really have been enjoying uploading to TikTok. Um, I make mostly like anime memes on there, like about shows, because of course Attack on Titan is coming out weekly right now. So that's big. Make sort of jokes and, and funny little, not skits really, but just like jokes and sounds to that. Uh, so go check me out there if you want. Uh, I believe my handle is It's Argon Games, just like my Twitch that's what I do, and I just hit, I think, 261 followers, I think. I, I made a I made a TikTok that got, like, 77,000 views, so that one kind of popped off and gained me a couple, couple followers. But I, I certainly enjoy doing that. Um, but if you want to check me out with streaming, I will actually be streaming on Mondays, Fridays, and Saturday. The Mondays are for uh, Sac State. I play for the Smash team there. So it'll be pretty fun. I do the crew battles against the other schools in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and I stream those on Monday. So actually in a couple hours at the time of this recording. Um, so that'll be fun. I stream on Mondays over on YouTube at Argon Games. And then Fridays and Saturdays I also stream. 
the the Saturdays are primarily for um, Smash. They're my Smash Saturdays. I play with viewers um, and other people that stop by. And then Friday is like a Minecraft day and also some other games. That's sort of like my variety day. But I have sort of a series I'm going to be doing with Minecraft. So go check me out if you'd like. Um, I plan on doing a lot more on that channel. And once we hit 200 subs, who knows, maybe things will take off from there. But with that being said, there's my short little five-minute intro about. Uh, let's get on with the news this week in the gaming industry. Sony is facing a class action lawsuit for their controllers experiencing joystick drift. Now that is an issue that is pretty familiar to gamers of the like, because if you remember, we have the issue of Joy-Con drift being a very prevalent issue in the gaming industry with Nintendo and their Joy-Con drift. When I was thinking of writing this little section, I almost wrote in, Sony getting sued for Joy-Con drift, and then I realized, wait a minute, Joy-Cons are a Nintendo-specific product. That's how synonymous the idea of stick drift has come to me, is because of Nintendo. But it is very similar to what Nintendo is facing, um, because their new DualSense controllers, I think that's what the PS5 ones are called, apparently will drift sometimes when people are playing games and on the home screen and such the controller will just drift which i personally haven't experienced any issues because i got my ps5 i think it came in january 3rd or something i was just playing a game with one of my, with a, one of my friends and all of a sudden i see the the fedex truck coming and delivering a walmart package and i knew it was it and ever since then, uh, I haven't had any controller problems. I've had some PS5 problems, but most people have. But the controller having drift is something I wasn't aware of until I saw this article. So Sony had stated that they have been completely familiar with this issue even before the PS5 was released. They said they had heard about it numerous times and knew it existed during even the testing phase of the controller but neglected really to do anything big about it. So this lawsuit is stating that Sony was being unlawful, deceptive, fraudulent, and unfair, as per the IGN article that I found this from. So they knew that the controllers had this issue, yet they still released it and didn't really inform the public that, hey, these controllers might have a little bit of a malfunction when you get them, so just, you know, be patient, we'll send them. They, they didn't do anything like that, at least not to any of my knowledge or anyone else's knowledge. So what are some of the conclusions that we can draw from this? Well, personally, I have a little bit more empathy for the companies now uh, in terms of the pandemic because I know that especially uh, Nintendo has released, especially Sakurai for the Smash team, They've stated numerous times that it's really hard to work on ideas and projects when social distancing is mandatory and when shutdowns are in place. So I have a bit more empathy for them and a, a higher case of understanding because of the limitations that we're facing right now. I'm pretty sure that if COVID wasn't a thing or we never had to lock down or anything, that the the PS5s, the, the Series X, and all of those newer pieces of technology wouldn't have as much issues 
but I'm not sure if this is exactly the reason. The high demand of next-gen consoles, I think, also plays a little part of it with COVID, because I know it was really frustrating trying to get a PS5 back when pre-orders were announced, when they were actually released back in, what, November, and trying to get my hands on it, because I put in my order on December, I think it was December 15th. That's when I was able to actually get a PS5, and I was waiting for, like, three hours. So I was actually able to get one that day, and then it came in, like, three weeks later, which was fine, but that's December 15th. I think it was a full month after the PS5 was released. I was actually able to get one because they had this whole idea, which I get, but I also disagree with because of how hyped up next-gen consoles are or just next-gen anything, really. So I think it was a little weird of their limited idea, their limited release idea, because of the fact that it was a hyped up console and with the new uh this new era of online because the biggest issue why most people weren't able to release it was paired with their whole limited release idea but also because there were no in-store purchases only pickups available so that opened the door opened the gates really for scalpers to come and just buy out all of the PS5s that were available that day and sell them back for 300%, 500% profit. Sometimes it was it was ridiculous. Like some PS5s that I saw were $1000, which is let me let me do the math real quick, which is a a 100% price increase, which is insane. I saw some that were going for like $1400. Which is like, uh, what is that? Is that is that a 200% price increase? 300% price increase? Something crazy like that. But people actually would buy them because there was no other PS5s available. They could only buy the $1,500 ones. So as the PS5 got a little bit more shelf life, companies decided to add in a CAPTCHA system so the scalpers couldn't go in and use a bot account and then do that. But... The way that this relates, sorry, this is, seems like it's kind of a ramble, but the way this relates is Sony understood that there was a high demand for the PS5 after they had made their initial announcement. So they realized, oh crud, we need to release more PS5s. We need to come put them out because there is a high demand for them. And unfortunately, pair that with COVID, the high demand of the PS5s and the technical and factorial uh, limitations that they had, they probably couldn't put as much time and effort into each individual console and controller than they would have otherwise. So it's just a combination of a bunch of stuff, but still it's really bad, but I don't know how many, I don't know the exact stats about how many people experience this. Cause my PS, I have two PS five controllers and none of them have any issues. I'm not saying that issues don't exist for other people. I'm saying that I myself haven't experienced them. So I don't know exactly the numbers of uh, people that have experienced issues. But I do not doubt it because I know I experienced Joy-Con drift with my with my Switch. But it's fine now. I got a replacement and my other stick has been perfect for the past, what, two years? A little over two years. So it's an issue that does need to be addressed. But how will Sony handle this? 
Will they handle it like Nintendo have in the past, where they just kind of deny <laughs> that Joy-Con drift exists, saying, no, 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 it's not a thing. It doesn't, it doesn't affect gameplay. What are you talking about? Or will they try to take full responsibility and fix the problem as soon as they can? I'm really thinking that Sony is going to be handling this problem well as soon as they can, considering that this isn't a lawsuit that is out after, what, four months, three months after the PS5 is released. And Sony is saying that we were aware that this issue arises. So chances are they will actually get sued for some money and they'll they'll try to fix. I don't know if they're going to have any recalls or anything, but they're going to be fixing the joystick issue. I, see, I keep wanting to call it the Joy-Con drift, but it's, that's not what it's called. But anyway, I really do think that they are going to have a, a good response to this. They're going to have some pretty good PR. And once this whole pandemic breezes over, or not breezes over, I feel like I shouldn't word it that way. Once it goes away, then I'm sure that there's going to be a lot better technology and pieces released that will be able to help out consumers, um, specifically from Sony and next-gen consoles. But it's good that this problem was brought to light because I think that's one of the most powerful things that we can do nowadays with social media is if a product isn't working everyone's going to know the product isn't working because you can put out a simple tweet, get a couple people to retweet it, tag Sony 300 times, and you're good to go. They'll most likely be able to respond, and if it blows up, then most people are going to be aware of it, and not to mention that they're actually getting sued for this. So it's clear that the, the public's cries were heard, and it's good. It's good that these people are holding Sony accountable and, and making them aware that their products are bad, even though they seem to have known that their products were bad. So I'm going to be excited to see how Sony will handle this because, as I had mentioned, I had some PS5 issues, but it's kind of been one of those weird things where I got my PS5, I waited so long to actually get one, so if I'm having issues, I'm going to just tough it out because I don't want to send it back to the factory and get it two months later. Like, I had a little bit of an issue because I was trying to play Spider-Man Miles Morales because I had beaten Spider-Man PS4, which was awesome. I might do a rant or rave section about that sometime, but that one was a lot of fun, and I was trying to play the physical disc version of Miles Morales because I got the downloadable uh, Spider-Man PS4 remastered. Um, I was trying to play Miles Morales, but my Cold War disc was in the PS5, and I pressed the the disc eject button but it wouldn't eject it would make this really weird sound i, I don't know if i don't know if uh, anyone listening is a musician but if you know the instrument called the uh, the ratchet where you just like spin the dial and it makes like that sound uh it's it's kind of like if you if you spin a you know, like a wheel on like one of those wheels where it's got like the colors and if it lands on something, you got to do something where it just kind of makes that sound like something's like flapping back and forth really fast. That's exactly what my PS5 sounded like when I was trying to take my Cold War disc out. Something was going wrong with the disc tray or something. And I was convinced I was like, my PS5's busted, but luckily enough, it wasn't. And I was able to get the disc out and I haven't had any problems since, but I didn't want to send it into Sony or to whoever because I was like, that means I'm out of a PS5 for three months and I've already canceled my Xbox subscription, so <laughs> I, I, I'd be down and out. But 
hopefully we'll see some big changes for Sony. And once the pandemic's over, then it's going to be a lot better for pretty much everyone involved. So the next piece of news I wanted to discuss is Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey are cast as Joel and Ellie, respectively, for The Last of Us TV series. Now, I guess I really shouldn't say TV series, because I don't know if it's actually going to be aired on TV. It'll be released on uh, streaming services. I, I'm not entirely sure which one or which ones yet. Um, I'm sure it's out there, but I, I couldn't remember seeing. Um, I'm pretty sure it's going to be something like HBO Max or, or whatnot, but it, it's it's going to be a new series released based off of The Last of Us video game. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Pedro Pascal. I'm not going to say I know all of his movies or whatnot. I know that he's in Game of Thrones, just like Bella Ramsey, and obviously The Mandalorian I'm a big fan of him in. I'm not going to act like I'm some super fan, but I do like his role as Din Djarin in The Mandalorian. So that'll be good to see. And I'm excited to see how he will play as um, as Joel in this series because I know Joel's a fan favorite, and of course, The Last of Us, um, especially the first one, is very, very highly acclimated, if that's the right word. Um, but Bella Ramsey, I don't know much about, and uh, I think that's pretty appropriate because I didn't watch Game of Thrones, and she hasn't been in all that many things. I think she was uh, she was a voice in an animated series i can't remember the name of it uh she was also in some other projects but i think on imdb she's only listed as having nine roles so from a, a personal standpoint i think that's awesome that they're casting someone for such a big role that doesn't have much experience um because obviously i'm not gonna i'm not discounting his acting career before but it is very very clear that tom holland just skyrocketed in popularity after he got the role of Spider-Man in the MCU. He was obviously an actor before, and I believe had a role back in 2013 and some other ones, so he, he's been around for a while. But it's still, it's still big to have these smaller actors that'll definitely take off, because I can guarantee if this Last of Us series does well, like makes, makes, makes quite a few bucks, then we're going to start seeing a lot of... Of, uh, of of Bella Ramsey stuff. It's kind of like that one guy that plays all those in those Netflix movies. What was his name? It's like Noah Centineau or something like that. I don't watch any of those movies, um, but it's kind of like how he's he's apparently gonna be playing someone in like the uh, the Reddit GameStop movie that's gonna be coming out. I I, I don't know. Uh, that's that's a topic for a for a completely different day. But nonetheless, I think it's good if they're casting someone that's smaller to play such a big role. Because it'll definitely boost their career and be like a real test to, um, you know, show everyone how talented of an actress they are. So, full disclosure, I have not played or watched any of The Last of Us. Okay, well, that's not true. I haven't played The Last of Us, but my friend was playing the first couple levels and I was watching it for like two hours with him. I don't know anything apart from like maybe some minor things. I'm not going to bring them up because spoilers and I, I don't really know if it's true because i haven't verified it but that's gonna my not playing the last of us is kind of something that i'm going to talk about at the end of like not completing games um but i know that it's very very highly acclimated um and has one of the highest rated stories in all of like linear storytelling video games um 
but I certainly will want to be watching this show if, if it's available for me because there's something that's like oddly satisfying about seeing a game be transformed into a, a show or a movie or something. Even if half the time it's not good, there's still kind of that, wait a minute, this was a video game I played or that I knew of and now it's a TV series. I kind of felt that way over the... Um, uh, what was her name? Alicia Vikander. I think, I think, that, I think that's her name uh, for the, the Tomb Raider movie. And I thought the movie was, was pretty good. Obviously, I, I personally think the first game is better than the first movie, but that's just personal bias. Um, but it was still kind of like, oh, that's that's nice seeing the... Uh, seeing this game that I love on the big screen, even if it's always not that good. Um, it, it's still nice to see. So... Along with that, how might the show play out? So as I had said, I personally don't think that uh, the the shows and the movies are better than video games, but they can offer some new things that weren't previously evident within the video game. With that, I mean, Last of Us is a primarily story-driven game, meaning that the main story has already been told to fans who have played it or watched it or heard of it. So, will the show retell the story with like a different cast of people, or will they develop more on interesting topics within the world with new characters um, and who the main cast interacts with? So, if we take an example like The Walking Dead, for example... Um, it was obviously a comic series before, but when they adapted it into a TV show, they did something different by adding in new characters and killing off certain characters while keeping certain characters alive. For example, in the Walking Dead comics, I guess spoilers, um, I think the Walking Dead comics series is finished, I'm pretty sure, but um, for example, in the TV show, we have the character of Andrea. Now, Andrea was killed off uh, towards the end of season three um, when they were in the, uh, what was it called, Woodbury with the governor. Like, she was involved in that group afterwards. But in the comics, Andrea was still alive and I'm pretty sure married Rick. So you have these different things and they add in characters like Daryl is one of the most popular Walking Dead characters and he's not even in the comics. And... Certain other characters were introduced, taken away, killed off at certain different points, received other characters' deaths, things things like that. But it made it so those two mediums are different. It's 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 very different than like how anime is adapted from a manga, um, because most of the time, like Attack on Titan right now is being pretty much directly translated from manga onto an animated series. There are obviously some things that they've left out. Um, I've caught up with all of the Attack on Titan manga that's out right now. Um, so I can definitely tell that they've left out some stuff, which is a little upsetting, but the story is still the same. The characters are all still there. They die off at the right time they're supposed to. They get introduced right when they're supposed to. Things along that nature. It's, it's a very different atmosphere than with like The Walking Dead. So with The Last of Us... Something that might be interesting to see is if they introduce new characters and civilizations and other things to make the game feel like a separate entity than the actual 
um, series that they're coming out with. And I think that has possibility to bring in a lot of speculation and theories and just overall enjoyment of the world of the last of us. Cause obviously it's a, it's a dark depressing world in that game. It's not, it's not a happy go lucky Mario world or anything, but it could lead to some more, some more interesting discussion points with new characters that they introduce. Obviously that won't completely ruin the canon of the series because there's a difference between adding in characters that'll like breathe life into the new world or uh, that'll just sort of act as like a comedic relief or, or anything like that. Because, you know, when you're playing a game, you have this idea of, oh, I'm here to like play the game and explore and, and press these buttons. And the dialogue and the cutscenes can be a little bit more serious and not necessarily have to worry about being funny or anything. But when it's a TV series, you're watching it to see the story take place and to build the world. So if you don't have that comedic relief or you don't have those characters that act as sort of that buffer between what's happening on the TV and the audience watching the TV, then I don't know if it's going to do as well, especially if they plan to make it a longer lasting series, because it seems that nowadays there's no show that just kind of lasts for a season. Sorry, it doesn't seem that there's ever like a live action series that lasts for a season and just tells a really good, concise story. It always seems it's like, yeah, let's drag this on to 15 seasons and just make every single main character die off and then just end it terribly. Um, one of the reasons why I stopped watching The Walking Dead. <laughs> um, but I still think that this series has a lot of potential and it could breathe a new life into the fandom and might do some things differently. Cause that's what the walking dead did. It definitely did some things differently that the comics did. And I think that's really good. So with that being said, let's move on to the last segment of this week's episode. This segment is going to be the issue of not finishing games. Now, this isn't going to be a a long-running series on the channel. Like, I'm not going to do the issue of or whatnot. I might, depending on how this one goes and other things I find. But I found this topic interesting of, of not finishing games. So, just as a little disclaimer before I go, I'm not talking about games being released unfinished or not complete, such as, like, cyberpunk 2077 you know not fully being able to be played on last gen consoles things to that nature that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about players the percentage of players who play the game not completing the main story of the game not all the dlc and all of that like the main story that's released on launch that's the issue that we're talking about today so with that disclaimer out of the way let's uh continue with the segment so, in an interview, uh, developer for the game A Way Out, uh, Joseph Fares, I believe that's how it's pronounced, states how 51% of players completed A Way Out, while the other 49% never did. Now, he states how this 51% is a good number, all things considered, but instead of focusing on the 51% of players that completed the game, he's focusing more on the 49% who were unable to complete the game. He goes on to talk about how it's not something I should be happy about, as the article states, and that lowering that 49% number should be a high priority. He talks about how this idea of pushing for greatness at the start of a game, since that's when most people are playing it, 
is a mass psychosis. Uh, I, li- I like his phrasing of that word right there. Um, so, in essence, what he's saying is, yeah, over half the players did complete the game or complete the main story of the game, but 49% didn't. Why? That's an issue that we want to try to figure out and try to eliminate from future games. So why is it that these games have a high unfinish rate, if that's even the correct way to say it? High uncompletion rates, I guess, or low completion rates. That's a better way to put it. So I have a couple thoughts on this. So if you look at popular games you would assume that they would have high completion rates because they're so popular and people talk about them, so that means everyone who's played it must love it and completed it, correct? Well, you would think, but that's not actually the case. So the reason why a lot of these games have low completion rates is because the games are talked about for a long time, they're hyped up, and they bring in a big crowd with a variety of different types of gamers you know people who play fighting games rpgs that play linear story driven games that play party games all these different ones that hear about this game and then go huh i think this is for me i'll check it out and people will pick up these games because they're hyped up and people will experience uh fear of missing out or fomo as i will probably refer to it in the in the later half of this episode. I know personally that I've felt this way about certain games. Uh, This idea of like fear of missing out and it being hyped up and me not necessarily knowing if it's the right game for me because I had that with, uh, with Red Dead Redemption 2. I've talked about this in the past before. Red Dead Redemption was a game that I was excited to play. I had seen a bunch of people talking about it. I had loved GTA and it was made by Rockstar and it's it's a game that is a prequel to the Red Dead Redemption, the first game that was really, really popular and a lot of people talked about. But unfortunately, I didn't have a job at the time that it came out, so I was really not in the market to spend like $60 straight on a game. And the game came out in, I think, October. And with games like that, it's either a hit or a miss because it's it's similar to GTA where when you play the game right off the start, you're probably going to play the story first and then you're going to play the online. That's usually how it works. And in GTA, it was kind of like you'd play the story a little bit online, then come back to the story, blah, blah. But everyone was talking about the story of Red Dead Redemption saying it was one of the best stories ever. It was visually stunning, amazing characters, all of these great things. And I got Red Dead Redemption 2 for Christmas, like right afterwards. Um, which was a little over two months after the game first came out. So, of course, with those story games, people talk about it for the first month, they never shut up about it, and then the game kind of just dies out. Like, no one talks about Red Dead Redemption anymore, unless, like, that's the topic of conversation. Um, But it's not really as popular of a game now as it was back in, you know, the October of 2000. 18 2019 something i don't don't remember i think it was 2018 um but nonetheless it's still really popular and once i got the game people had talked about it so much so much so much that i kind of just became numb to it and i and i stopped having any interest 
for the game. It's kind of like when you find a show that no one has watched, you go into it completely blind, not knowing anything, so it's a completely fresh experience. That wasn't the case for me with Red Dead 2. Everyone had talked about it and kept telling me, you gotta play it, gotta play it, gotta play it. And it's like, it didn't become special. It felt like I wasn't playing a game, I was completing a chore, if that makes sense. And I think that plays into it a lot. But I'll, I'll talk about that uh, more in a second. But there's a Reddit post that I found really, really interesting. Uh, it, it's under the subreddit of... Actually, where is the subreddit? I don't, I don't think it actually says on this uh, this link that I'm on. Um, but it's posted by uh, user G-I-C-N. And the post talks about game completion, saying that we don't finish games. And what they were doing is they looked at a bunch of games that were released. And the, uh, the actual post was over two years ago. So it's not up to date with the games that have come out now. So like Last of Us 2 isn't on there. Uh, Call of Duty Cold War games like that aren't going to be on here. Um, but it grabbed a bunch of they grabbed a bunch of data from games um, from the like different services and decided to look up the completion rates that they could dig up. So I'm going to share a couple from popular games that that I found very interesting. So, obviously, the number is the percentage of people who have completed the game that have played the game. Dark Souls, 61. Fallout New Vegas, 58. Marvel's Spider-Man, 69. No Man's Sky, 35. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, 68. So, of course, this person put a lot of games on here. Like, there's, like, 100 games on here. Um... And some of them have really high uh, completion rates. Like certain of them, like Uncharted 4 Thief's End has 84% completion rate. Some of them have really low ones like uh, Pillars of Eternity has 40% completion rate. Uh, Tomb Raider 3 has 48% completion rate. Um, and some of them are like fairly average about um, Assassin's Creed Revelations has 75% completion rate. You know, some of them are pretty average and pretty good. Uh, it's typical that um, games in like series have higher as they go on. So for example, uh, like Gears of War is a little different. Like the first one has 75, Gears of War 2 has 73, then 3 and 4 have 76 and 74 respectively. So it's it's usually all around the same number. Uh, but it's really interesting going back to the five that I mentioned how these games are really popular. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is considered to be the uh, top three, if not the best, Switch game that has been released so far. Everyone gives it huge amounts of praise for its open world, its sort of change in uh, sort of route for the Legend of Zelda franchise, it's incredible popularity, it's great atmosphere and world building, all of this stuff, and it has a 68% completion rate. A game like Dark Souls, which is like the pinnacle of elite gaming, if you will, that everyone talks about, like, oh, you have to play Dark Souls, like, you're not you're not a real gamer if you don't play Dark Souls, and it's got a 61% completion rate. That is a little bit different for Dark Souls, um, I don't know if there's significant evidence to prove that. But Dark Souls is one of those games where it's like a lot of people talk about it, so people will pick it up and play it and then realize, oh, this isn't the type of game I like to play. Um, so they drop it off because it is significantly a harder game than, you know, other 
games. Because at least to my knowledge, there's no difficulty slider. It's just a hard game that you have to adapt to. And games like Fallout New Vegas, considered to be the best Fallout game ever created, 58% completion rate. Marvel's Spider-Man, which is was considered one of the best PS4 games that came out, 69%. No Man's Sky had so much hype revolving around its game before it was coming out, 35% completion rate. So, a lot of these games share something in common. They share an open world, at least to an extent for some of them, an open world game where you can explore, fight, and there is a level of adaptivity, if that's a word, that is required for these games. Whether or not you're adapting to the play style, whether or not you're adapting to bosses, the environment, or a combination of all of these. So... These are just the couple of games that I found that were very much hyped up and for the most part still talked about. In the right communities, you can still find people avidly talking about these games and their completion rates seem small for how popular they are. Now, why might this be apart from them being these open world sprawling games? Well, personally, I think there's a couple different options and these are not the only ones, but these are the ones that I think have the biggest effect. Streaming, hype culture, fear of missing out, and many others. But those three, I feel, are very, very big for what cause a game to have low completion rates. So let's start with the first one, streaming. Most people will stream a game that they either love or that is popular. Sometimes you get a combination of both. But, for example, Cyberpunk 2077... I was on Twitch just looking at how many people were playing on its opening night or like the next day or whatever. One million viewers that were watching Cyberpunk 2077. One million. That is an insane number. Not the biggest number that's ever been achieved on Twitch, but a very high number for a specific game. So... Where I'm going with this whole idea of streaming is you get these people that will not only watch the game, but will stream the game. And a lot of the times you get people that will stream games and they'll do like a little bit of a segment. You know, for example, the streamers who do stream like five days a week, for example, they might do like a community day on one day of the week. And they might play like a couple hours of this game. You know, let's say Dark Souls for exa- for an example. It's a notoriously hard, difficult game that not everyone who isn't like dedicated to trying and beating the game, most people aren't going to beat it unless they are that dedicated type of person. So sometimes they'll throw on a stream like, oh, playing Dark Souls for the first time. And they'll play it, realize it's hard, get some funny content, some laughs, some people will donate some money and say, oh, I'll give you 20 gifted if you beat this boss. And then... They'll do it, they'll beat the boss, and then that might end up just being the stream for the day. They might go back to it, they might not. But it's that idea of kind of playing the game because you know it's difficult and not completing it because it's difficult and you sort of lose a little bit of interest. Same thing with games like uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild is one of those games where streaming could have a big effect on it because a lot of people stream the game still for for speedruns and whatnot because that's usually a community is going to die on Twitch unless it has an avid speedrunning community or there's constantly new content 
being added. That's just a universal truth. Like, Hollow Knight would be a 100% like dead game right now. It would still be completely revered, but it would be dead for streaming if not for the advent of speedrunning and the popularity of it. But nonetheless, people will play Breath of the Wild um, who are like Nintendo fans and they'll stream it and they'll say, oh, playing Breath of the Wild, but I can't wear any armor or stuff like that to bring in followers, bring in viewers and make someone go, huh, that's interesting. I wonder how that's going to go. And the person's playing it and they, they might end up losing interest because not a lot of the times I, I've realized this as I started streaming it's not always about people completing the games. It's about them playing. Now, I'm going to add, I'm not bashing any of the streamers who do any of this stuff that, that don't complete games. Like, in fact, I, I totally implore them doing that. I think it's a lot of fun, you know, to just do silly games, even if you don't really have an intention of beating it. Because at the end of the day, you're just trying to be entertaining. You're not trying to, you know, please the developers by doing every single little thing that's supposed to be done in the game, like Easter eggs, all this stuff. You're just kind of playing it to have fun. I mean, there's that's that's one of the reasons why multiplayer is such a huge aspect in like first-person shooters these days, because like the story's interesting, but the survival of the game is going to be based on multiplayer, so most people are going to just be playing the multiplayer. Um, but I think that streaming does have a very, very high effect on games not having a completion rate. The next point is hype culture. I have very mixed feelings about hype culture in video games specifically, because on one hand, it does introduce people to games that otherwise they would not have heard about. I mean, if it wasn't for all the streamers and YouTubers and all these big people talking about Cyberpunk 2077, I wouldn't have even known that it was a game that existed. I mean, the game was announced like eight years ago or something, or seven years ago. I didn't even know it got announced. Granted, I wasn't that big into video games at the time, but I mean, still, I didn't know that this game was released, or even was announced, rather. Um... Because it's just not my type of game, or at least it wasn't. So, I definitely heard about it. <laughs> I definitely heard about the game before it was coming out because people were hyping it up, saying it was going to be absolutely incredible. There's Keanu Reeves in it. It was really popular. And then, all of a sudden, it's just kind of like, died out. It was brought up like this was going to be the most revolutionary game on planet Earth that no other game will ever come close. That this is going to be the future of everything gaming and gaming related. And like no one plays it anymore. And the game was released like a couple months ago. And it's certainly not the only game that's ever done this. There have been a lot of other games that have fallen into this category. Last of Us 2. Granted, it's a, it's a linear story based game. That always happened. Ghost of Tsushima. Who talks about that game anymore? Uh, the list can go on and on and on. Pretty much every PlayStation exclusive that's not like an open world, is, it falls under that category. I mean, Detroit Become Human. Who talks about that game anymore? Last of Us 1. I mean, other than the TV series, like who talks about that game? Like No one does. That's, that's the whole point. Unless you're avidly involved in that specific community. And hype culture does ruin games in certain ways because as i had mentioned before uh me with red dead redemption i had so many high expectations that like the second i started the story i would be like 
there is no way I can put this game down. This this is game changing. I can actually see God on my screen right now. That's how people were hyping it up to be. When in reality, I stopped playing it midway through chapter two. And a lot of people were telling me, oh, well, you, you just got, you got to get past like chapter three. That's when it starts to get good. And I have a theory about how like my, my, my mentality with it is you can't say that it's the best thing out there if it doesn't get good until like five hours, 10 hours in. Like, you, you, you just can't. You can say that it has, like, a really good story, but you have to acknowledge the fact that you you cannot claim all these huge things if the game takes too long to get to the point. That's my thing. Obviously, I know that I'll probably be hypocritical because there's probably some games that I've played where it takes too long to get to the point, but there's got to be something that intrigues you right off the bat. And for me, it just it didn't do it for Red Dead. I mean... The story kind of started off okay, like, oh, you're hiding in the snow for some crime that you committed in, like, one of the main cities. Okay, that that's, that's kind of interesting. So how are we going to develop off this? Well, we're going to just kind of say that, oh, we can't go back to this town. Why? Because something. Uh, what are we doing? Why are we fighting these bad guys? Well, because we're outlaws. Uh, wh why are we moving from town to town? Well, because we're wanted. For what? I don't know. It's like... It's less of, it felt at the beginning for me, less of like, oh, you kind of know what's going on, but you don't. And it just, I don't know, I'm getting too rambly with that, with that game specifically. Um, I definitely have my opinions about it. I don't think it's necessarily a terrible game. I just think that like it got overhyped and then it just sort of like took me out of wanting to play it. But that plays exactly into how hype culture is. Because one of the best games I ever played, in my opinion, which I'll talk about later, is Life is Strange. Um, not on an, an objective standpoint, really, from but from a subjective standpoint. Because I knew nothing about that game going in. And it was just an experience that was one of the best that I've had with playing a game. And I knew nothing about the game. Would I have thought the game was as good if I had not like discovered it for myself? Probably not. It might not have been if people kept harking on me to play this game, play this game, play this game, and that's going to be the best game ever created, best story ever told, and anything ever. So that idea of hype culture really takes people away because one of the biggest ideas of games that's, that's a popular one is people making their own stories and having their own experiences with games. Whether or not that's in the game or about the game is up to the person. But if they're not allowed to really craft their own experiences then they're not going to enjoy the game unless it has some absolutely phenomenal story that just cannot be overlooked. They're not going to enjoy the game. They're really not. So hype culture definitely dampens people's completion of a game. And the last one is fear of missing out. So many people will hear of a game. I was almost a victim to it with cyberpunk. Uh, all these people were talking about it and it, it, it kind of felt like the you're not cool unless you're playing Cyberpunk 2077 on release. And so many people would just say, well, shoot, I want to play this game. I want to be in the culture for everyone talking about it for like a month or two. I want to be there. So they just buy the game and then they go, oh, well, this game's kind of boring. I'm not a fan of it. Not specifically saying Cyberpunk is. I'm just saying that with games like that that are overhyped, the fear of missing out just gets amplified to a very high degree to the point where people will kind of just stop playing it because they're like, this isn't 
what I wanted it to be. It's also like buyer's remorse. There was also a lot of that coming out for Cyberpunk is people were genuinely depressed because they thought Cyberpunk was going to be this, this like revolution in game design and gameplay when in reality it was just another game. So those three together, I feel play a very big role as to why, um, games have a low completion rate, which is really sad. But developers do a lot of the times just care about sales. I mean, you hear it all the time. I mean, that's why I was so surprised when I saw this article about like, oh, game developers complaining about game completion percentages because maybe I've just been blind and deaf before, but I've never really heard about developers talking about um, their game completion rates. All I hear about are game sales and the numbers and, and all that stuff about how well the game did in its first week, its first month, its first day, and all of those things are the ones that you hear about, but you never hear about the game completion percentages. So I do understand why it's not as big of a focus because they just want to hype up a game just so they can drive sales up. And I think that's a little bit of a worrying issue because it makes games just kind of heartless. I mean, I've talked about Pokemon Sword and Shield in this one, and even though I, my opinions are a little bit different on that game than they previously were, I still think that that game is a little bit of an epitome of what's going on with uh, with these hype. It, it was very much hyped up. They released the new uh, one-generation gimmick with the Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing. They released that. They released some of the Pokemon and all of these things to, to drive up sales, but the game just doesn't have that good of retention because it's so linear, but it breaks the path of what Pokemon used to be, in my opinion. But it's one of the best-selling Switch games, I'm pretty sure. So it's like, Pokemon's not going to listen to those numbers of player completion. They're going to listen to sales. Now, if sales aren't going to be good for the next Pokemon game, or they weren't good for Sword and Shield, then they're probably going to change their philosophy to get people to play more. But the type of game, kind of going back to what I had mentioned earlier with open world, the type of game also matters in this discussion. I have this sort of mentality that I go with that I can only ever play one to two RPGs at a time or like open world games at a time because they require a lot of time. They require a lot of effort and they require a lot of just memorization, really. I was playing Genshin Impact heavily since its release. Like, my girlfriend got me into it, and I played it pretty much religiously uh, from the beginning of October, or like the end of September, beginning of October, all the way to, well, about the beginning of January, really, because that's when I got the PS5 and wasn't able to uh, transfer my save data from my PC and phone to my PS5, which irritated me and kind of killed my interest for the game um but i played that game religiously like every single day i would hop on i would do my stuff i would do my commissions it was like a chore and you know i couldn't really dedicate the time to be playing like breath of, like starting breath of the wild even though i had already finished it but just hypothetically like starting breath of the wild playing fallout new vegas all these like i couldn't i physically could not do that with the time that i had and that's what a lot of people I feel experience is, you know, they, they, they buy these games because it's hyped up because they're like, Oh, I need, I need to buy this game. But then they're already playing four other games that are the same type and they just, they can't finish it because they have 
so much on their plate with it. Whereas games like The Last of Us, they have a shelf life of one month. So you can put down your Genshin Impact, you can put down your Breath of the Wild for like a week or two, finish The Last of Us, it'll take you like 20 to 30 hours, and then you're done. That's, that's all you ever have to do with that game anymore. There's not going to be any DLC. You might replay it again if you're bored on a weekend. But that's not what those games are intended for. So something interesting that I found with that idea of those linear story games is the completion for the game Life is Strange. So as I had talked about, I love that game. So when I saw this, uh, this chart, I thought it was really interesting. Um... So they were talking about certain like telltale style games and story driven games that are like very linear and life is strange. The first five episodes, the first episode had a completion rate of 80%. And then the, uh, the second episode to the fifth had 93.93, 97.79, 97.7 and 98.94. So it seems really interesting because, of course, that's like, you know, you'd expect that. I mean, the last episode, you've played all four of the ones before. Why would you not finish the fifth episode? So it just goes to show that these types of games tend to have a better completion rate because your choices matter. They're easier to accept. I mean, like I played Life is Strange in a weekend, I think, or like within a week. Like I started it on like a Thursday night or something because I had, didn't have any other games to play. I knocked out like the first episode in a night and then one day I played the the second episode and then like one night I just grinded and I played the third and fourth episode and like the next day I played the fifth. So you could easily complete that game in a weekend. Like you could start it on a Friday and finish it on a Sunday afternoon really. Um, so those games are a little bit more accessible to someone that doesn't have as much time. And I think that's something that's very prevalent nowadays because so many things are competing for people's time you know, so many different games and so many different mediums, like all these shows, the last of us TV series that I was talking about. Uh, it's like all these different shows and pieces of entertainment and all of that just compete for people's time. But the real things that are going to prosper are the games that people are very much interested in. So how might companies be able to combat this? Well, I don't work for any of these companies. So of course I don't have the stats and the numbers or all this, but I personally don't think it's an easy transition to make because people play games for uh, for various reasons and some people just don't have the time to invest in a sprawling open world game for things like that. Um, it's like I said, I can only handle one to two open world RPGs at a time. Like I beat Spider-Man uh, PS4 and that was like the only game I was playing at the time. And then Miles Morales, I haven't gone back to because I started playing a lot more Call of Duty. I started playing a lot more Smash. I started playing a lot more other stuff. So you know, games compete for times, but you just, you have those weekends where you can just go and you can play all these different games. But <clears throat> I personally think that open world RPGs are some of the best games out there, but I, I do think people should understand that unless your open world game has a definitive end, its completion rate will be pretty low, uh, at least at the start. Um, and that also does relate just back to PR. I mean, you got to have good PR for the game and tell people that it's like, you got to show them that there's a reason that they should be playing this game as opposed to their rivals game. If that makes sense. So I think that it's an issue that doesn't necessarily have an immediate change. Cause I feel that it's just, it's just an inherent issue with like open world games. Uh, Cause I know I've contributed to the, the red dead um, lack of completing games. I know I've, comp I know that I've, uh, I've aided in that number, if you will.
But that's going to conclude this episode of On Air with Air On. Like I said, this is the first episode of Season 3. I'm going to be uploading an episode every week from this point on. And thank you all for listening. And you can check me out on TikTok, as I mentioned, at It's Argon Games. Follow me on YouTube at Argon Games. If you want, you can find me on Twitter also at Argon Games YT, no spaces. And you can DM me on pretty much any of those uh, platforms. Probably not YouTube because I don't really know YouTube's messaging system. Um, but you can just hit me up anytime. Let me know if there's any specific topic you want me to talk about in an episode or anything specific you want me to do for uh, future episodes, for a stream, for a TikTok bit or whatever. Uh, I am definitely open for suggestions. So thank you all for listening in, and I will catch you in the next episode.